really give it up for Cadence for me? Like, come on, she needs more than that. It is, uh, it is really cool to see our students come up and share scripture uh, tonight as well as tomorrow. We have another student joining us to do that as well. How are you guys doing? You awake? All right, I'm glad. For those of you that don't know me, if I haven't had the privilege of meeting you yet, my name is Justin. I am the student ministry director here at Cross Point for our middle school and high school students. Um, and quite frankly, I'm just excited to be here tonight. I've been at home for like six weeks on family leave. This was my first week back here at work uh, as my wife and I welcomed our fourth child, uh, our baby girl, into the world. Thank you. That's sweet. Thank you, guys. Um, and so I want to, real quick, I just want to show you guys some pictures of my family uh, real quick. This is my daughter, my newborn daughter, Faye. Not Faith, Faye. People mix that up a lot. That's Faye. And then Faye has two older brothers, twin brothers, named Reuben and Asher. That's uh, Reuben on the left and Asher on the right. Um, and then our oldest daughter, her name is Emma, and she just turned four. Um, and so, to say the least, we've got our hands full. Oh, and also we decided to get a puppy two weeks before the baby. So my wife and I are just making lots of really good decisions lately. But I'm going to let you guys in on a secret. Puppies are harder to take care of than newborns. I don't know if you know that, but you can't put a diaper on a puppy. I mean, maybe you can. Maybe they have puppy diapers. I've never seen them. But you can put a diaper on a newborn. You can't do that with a puppy. So puppies are crazy. Um, Lots of fantastic times over the last six weeks, but also... With that, lots of hard days, right? For those of you that have had newborns, you know it's just kind of a jumbled mess for some weeks. You're you're just kind of trying to survive and get through it. Um, So that's been our case. And add three toddlers in there that are trying to get your attention and a puppy as well. Um, A few weeks ago, had a night where I was just really, really having a hard time. Um, Really hard day. Kids were crazy. Puppies peeing all over the place. He's not potty trained. We're just losing our minds, trying to keep it together. And that night as we're putting the kids down to bed, I I usually put the boys down and I put our older daughter down while uh, my wife takes care of the newborn. And so that's what we did. And I I put the boys down and they were being crazy, uh, wild, not wanting to go to sleep. I got them down and I'm putting my oldest daughter down. And she just has this terrible attitude that day. And it's just, it's driving me up the wall. And at this point, it's been hours, if not the entire day, now that I've just been sitting in this frustration, um, and I'm just fed up. And so my daughter goes to bed, and I'm tired of it, and and I go out, and I decide I'm just going to zone out for a little bit and and go on social media and and try and cool off a little bit, right? And so I'm starting to scroll, and one of the first things I see is a friend of mine from high school who he and his wife just lost their three-year-old child. Suddenly, with no knowledge as to what happened, doctors didn't know what happened, just sickness that they had no answers for, and immediately in that moment, I'm, I'm, I'm grieving over my friend, and then I'm grieving over the fact that I just wasted an entire day with this ridiculous frustration that I'm sitting in and and completely missing everything that's in front of me and my beautiful family and even forgetting for a split second that my wife and I had lost our first daughter before she was born and then suffered from years of infertility to have our beautiful family that we have now. Like, how could I forget what's right in front of me? How could I forget everything that God's been doing? Why am I sitting in this frustration over nothing when my friend just lost their child? 
And it convicted me in that moment. And I, I went back and I laid down with my daughter. And I just told her, I'm sorry, baby. And I just loved on her and I kissed her. And it was great and her attitude was gone and I just loved on her. And then for the rest of that night, I, I realized that this is what I wanted to talk to you guys about when I got back. And I asked myself that question, how could I forget? And, and see, that was the problem, was that I forgot. And my forgetfulness is actually the problem that leads to the majority of my foolishness and my sin, my frustrations, all of it. Most of that stems from forgetting who God is and the things that God has done in my life. And so I wanted to unpack this with you guys and kind of address this question of, of why is it so easy for us to forget? How, how can we forget all of these things that we've been given, all of these good things in our lives? How is that even possible? And so I want to I break that down with you guys. And so obviously the first part of that is that it, it, it's, it's just part of our human nature, right? We're, this, that, that's how we are as humans, right? If we never forgot anything, we would have aced every test in school. We'd be masters of our trades, right? We wouldn't forget birthdays and anniversaries. I've never done that. I've never forgotten any of those. No, I'm just kidding. My, my memory is actually pretty terrible. If, if I have something that needs to get done, and if it's not written down in my little notebook or on my phone pad, it's not going to get done. And then even if it is written down, sometimes I still forget because my memory is just that bad. And I get distracted. But, but forgetfulness creates a lot of problems for us. And there's something about human psychology that's baffled me for years. And maybe you've thought about this too. But I find it so interesting that you and I can remember the negative things that happen in life. All of our pain, all of our suffering so easily. Right? We can remember those things for decades but yet we have the hardest time remembering some of the good things that happen in our lives, right? How weird is that? I, I ran an experiment with our students a little while ago, and I asked this question. I said, raise your hand if you can tell me the last time that somebody said or did something that made you feel good. And I just got blank stares, like, uh, what? But then I said, okay, raise your hand if you can tell me the last time someone hurt you. Everyone's hand goes up, right? Everyone, because they're all ready to tell me exactly what was said, and exactly who said it, right? Because we carry these negative memories for some reason. And so it's so funny how our memory is so sharp with those negative things and so fuzzy with the good. Why is that? How, how is that possible? And as I thought about it, I realized that just as our human nature causes us to forget these mundane things and tasks that we have to get done, if you're sitting here tonight and you've made the decision to follow Jesus and you trust what the Bible has to say, then you and I know that, that it's more than just our human nature, right? That we actually have an enemy whose name is Satan, who's out to get us, who, who's going to use a variety of different tactics against us to cause us to forget who God is and the things that he's done. C.S. Lewis wrote the Chronicles of Narnia. I'm sure many of you have read that. He also wrote a plethora of other philosophical works throughout his life. He was a fantastic author. Um, there's a, a book called... The screw tape letters. Some of you have probably read it. If you're not familiar with the screw tape letters, uh, it's basically written from the perspective of demons. And in, in particular, uh, a demon named Screw Tape, who's writing letters to his nephew and writing letters to his nephew and kind of instructing on him on things he should be doing for his human subject to prevent him from following God. It's a really unique book. Um, and there's one line that really stood out to me. I wanted to share with you guys. Screw Tape says. It's funny how mortals always picture us as putting things into their minds when in reality our best work is done 
by keeping things out. I remember I read that, and, and it has stuck with me because it's so incredibly true, you guys. Satan will cause us to forget all the good things about God, who he is, the things that he's done, and cause us to turn our backs on him, and in turn, ruining our lives without ever even having to show his face. All he has to do is throw some distractions in your way, put something in front of you to cause you to forget, and he's won. And he's good at it. He's been doing it since Adam and Eve. He's been doing it for so long. He's got so much practice. He knows exactly what he's doing. And he knows that it's a weakness of all of ours. That we all are prone to forgetfulness. We forget God's miracles. We forget his provision. We forget so many great things that he's done for us. And we don't take enough intentional time to praise him with thanksgiving. And this forgetfulness can be incredibly dangerous for us. It, it, it leads us back into old habitual sin, maybe that we went through years ago, unnecessary anger, shame, complacency, you name it, you fill in the blank. Forgetfulness can create so many problems in our lives. And so with, with all that in mind, if we know that we have an enemy who's out to get us, who's actively trying to cause us to forget, then that must mean that you and I need to be actively doing something to make sure that we don't, right? If he's actively trying to get us, we have to be active in making sure that we don't. And so, this isn't complicated, you guys. This shouldn't be something new that you hear tonight. It's actually an incredibly simple reminder for all of us, I think. And if you see on your note sheet, there's going to be some places where you can fill in the blanks. This is going to be the first one for you. And the remedy to this problem that we experience, the remedy to this forgetfulness, is gratitude. The remedy to our problem is gratitude. We fight against, for, we fight against forgetfulness. That was hard to say. By remembering and praising God for who he is and the things he's done. And, and this idea is woven throughout scripture for us, you guys. It's just consistent from from Genesis to Revelation is this idea of gratitude and praising God with thanksgiving. We fight against forgetfulness by doing these things. I want to revisit uh, the passage that Cadence shared for us, a couple verses in Joshua 4, verse 6. It said, We will use these stones to build a memorial. In the future, your children will ask you, What do these stones mean? Then you can tell them, they remind us that the Jordan River stopped flowing when the Ark of the Lord's Covenant went across. These stones will stand as a memorial among the people of Israel forever. How cool is that? They took it upon themselves to build a memorial to God. Why? So that they could remind themselves and to remind their children and their children's children and their children's children. And it goes on and on. But they did this active thing to make sure, to ensure that they would remember what God had done at that place. And this, this shouldn't be an unfamiliar idea for us, right? We've gotten pretty good at memorializing things, either in our personal lives, with our kids and their sports, within our history, right? I remember my parents took me to D.C. when I was uh, younger, and I got to see the Lincoln Memorial and, and the Washington Memorial, and just these remarkable structures that have been built to memorialize these people, places, events, uh, I got the chance to go back a, a few years ago and I saw the World War II memorial. I don't know if you've seen that. It's, it's breathtaking. The way that they have this memorial laid out so that you can kind of see 
exactly kind of what happened and who was where. It, it, it was incredible. I think about the Twin Towers and, and what happened on September 11th, 2001, right? And there's two words that are famously associated with those events that day. Do you, do you know what those are? Never forget. Never forget. You hear that and that's what you immediately think about. Never forget. Why? Because when we forget, well, we forget, right? And we forget exactly what happened. We forget how much, we just forget the weight and the depth of what happened during these events. So about five years ago, I, I separated from active duty. I was in the Navy for six years. And during those six years, I was stationed on board the USS Pearl Harbor, which is kind of a memorial in itself, that ship. I mean, you think about Pearl Harbor and, and what happened on December, December 7th, 1941. That ship itself is, is just was incredible to be a part of. And we left for our first deployment in 2013. And... Generally, most, most ships on the West Coast, so in San Diego, usually the first thing that they do when they deploy is they will go to Oahu. They'll go to Pearl Harbor, Oahu, as kind of like a last stop to kind of unwind and relax before being gone for, for months at a time. And so this was a practice that we did often, and it, it was the first stop. And, and I remember everyone was getting really excited about going. This was my first time. Um, and they had a lot of special events planned for us because it's the Pearl Harbor, visiting Pearl Harbor, and we were going to do some, some memorial services and things like that, um, and every, everything was just really hyped up. And so we're sailing into Pearl Harbor, and as we're going through the harbor, you start to see these markers on the surface of the water. There's one, there's another, and another, and another, and, and you realize that these markers are actually memorials for ships that were struck by torpedoes that day. And as you continue sailing through the harbor, all of a sudden you see this beautiful white structure on the surface of the water. I'm going to show you guys a picture of it. It's the memorial of the USS Arizona. I don't know if you guys have ever seen that before. But you can actually see the wreckage of the ship underneath. Um, I went one time when I was younger to the Arizona Memorial, and I remember as a kid, it was just really cramped and busy. There were a ton of people, and you, people are trying to be quiet, but parents are trying to wrangle their kids, uh, and it gets a little cramped and rowdy in there. Um, but during this opportunity on my deployment, I actually had the chance to go to the memorial with only nine other people, nine other sailors, as part of a color guard to lay a wreath in remembrance of these people that lost their lives that day. And so we step on board this memorial, and no one's saying a thing. Everyone is silent. Because what can you say when you step here and you know exactly what happened that day? And you look over the side of that memorial, and you see that the, the water it has oil slick on top. And you realize that that's because, to this day, oil still rises from the wreckage of the Arizona to the surface. And you can see this ship underneath you. And, and it's just... It's otherworldly, it's breathtaking, it does something to you. And then you continue through the memorial and you see this marble wall that's just full of names. And it did something so, so remarkable in me that day. And I will never forget what that was like to be there with these people in, in absolute silence as we memorialized these people that gave their lives. And then we're, we're docked about 300 feet from this memorial for a week uh, and so we're right next to this memorial. And I remember during that deployment and, and the five or six other times that we had visited after for other deployments and times, it didn't matter if I had the most difficult day at work, if I was 
exhausted and wiped out, or if I had just dealt with some awkward, uncomfortable situation with somebody, didn't matter how frustrated I was, the second that I stepped out onto the weather decks and saw that memorial across the harbor, all of that was just behind me. Because how could it not be? When you look at this memorial, how could any of those frustrations still be with you when you think about what happened? It's gone. You could be exhausted and you could look at the memorial and suddenly get this burst of energy because it does something to you when you think about and you remember the events that happened that day. And I'll never forget those feelings of going back to Pearl Harbor and seeing that memorial and having this this emotion invoked inside of me. And we go back to Joshua and the story, right? And, and you think about these people that built this memorial. And I think that we have a lot to learn from our early brothers and sisters, you guys. I think that they were trying to let us in on a little secret. What happens when we start to practice gratitude, what happens when we start to praise God with thanksgiving and remember him and remember the things that he does, it actually does something for us it actually does something inside of our hearts and our spirits when we praise God and we take time to do that. When we memorialize him, it changes us. This is why David, all throughout the Psalms, writes the same phrase over and over and over again. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. You can read almost any Psalms, and that's almost in there in every single one. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. In Psalm 119, verse 164, David says that he would praise God seven times a day to remember his goodness, to remember his regulations and instructions. Seven times a day. Why? Because he needed it. Because it did something to him. Praise the Lord. It's a Christian phrase that I think we forget the kind of weight and power that it actually holds. We hear that too often and we forget. We forget how powerful that is for us. Because you see, gratitude and praise are the key to opening the door to our memories of who God is and everything that he has done for us. You understand that? When you actually take time to do that, you remember all of it. You remember the things that he's done. And gratitude is truly the remedy to this problem that you and I face on a daily basis. As we talk about this idea of gratitude, I want to be incredibly careful and something that we, we need to realize. As you hear this from stage, just be grateful. Or you've maybe said that to somebody yourself. Or you, somebody has said that to you. Just be grateful. While completely diminishing the fact that you have real pain. And real suffering. And are in the middle of real storms. We need to be careful that we don't diminish those things. See, I, I find it interesting as we read Psalms. And you see David writing this over and over and over again. You think that he's probably got a pretty great life. He's kind of sitting down and writing out these psalms. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. (laughs) But you may know that David had to flee from Saul after Saul had hurled a spear at him. (laughs) And so he fled and is hiding and being hunted down in the wilderness of Judah. He's hiding and he's hungry and he's thirsty. And he's writing Psalm 63, which there's a couple verses from there that I want to share with you. And this is what he says in Psalm 63. In the wilderness, verse 3, he says, Your unfailing love is better than life itself. How I praise you. I will praise you as long as I live, lifting up my hands to you in prayer. You satisfy me more than the richest feast. I will praise you with songs of joy. In the middle of the wilderness... 
after he just had a spear chucked at his head. I will praise you with songs of joy. You may be familiar with this name. If not, you're going to learn about him. His name is Buckin' Billy Ray Smith. Anyone ever heard of Buckin' Billy Ray before? He's a famous Canadian logger. He was on a TV show. I think it was called Axemen for a while, but it was about these loggers that just, they were loggers. That was what they did. It was their occupation. And he actually has a YouTube channel where he makes videos about everything woodworking. I mean, if you need to know anything about wood or woodworking, he's your guy. If you need to know about axes or woodcutting, he's the guy. And watching Buck and Billy Ray, he is actually oozing with positivity. I mean, it's, it's kind of gross. You're like, dude, come on, man. Like, it's just overwhelming amounts of positivity and gratitude. And as he makes his videos, he puts these little quips at the bottom of the screen when he's talking. And I was watching a video the other day, and at the bottom of the screen as he's talking, it was the most simple phrase, and he said, gratitude makes the day easier. And I went, wow, that's really funny. Because, see, I know... Billy Ray's story a little bit. And that's that years ago, a tree had fallen on him and crushed his spine, broke his leg. He officially lost his commercial career as a logger and had to do something else with his life. And so he started kind of creating these handmade axes that are beautiful that you could buy. But you see his videos and you don't think that that's something that he had dealt with. And in another video, he kind of shares that this is a, something he deals with on a daily basis, this hurt and this, this unbearable pain that he's dealing with. And I look at that and go, you shouldn't be grateful after what happened to you. How can you be that positive? How can you act like this after having a tree fall on you and crush your spine? I, I don't understand that. So I don't know if Billy Ray is... Uh, is a Christian or not. I don't know if he follows Jesus, but all I do know is that he really puts this idea of gratitude into perspective for me. See, what what Billy Ray made me realize is that gratitude doesn't negate our problems. It doesn't take them away, but it helps make them a little bit easier to get through. Even if that's you crawling on the ground to try and get through the things that you're dealing with, cross point. The gratitude just makes the day a little bit easier. We can be grateful and still be in the middle of suffering. You see, the only way that David and others throughout the Bible that wrote these stories for us were able to remember God's goodness in the middle of their circumstances was by being intentional about it. David praised God seven times a day to remember And so what we're going to do right now is we're going to take a pause. There's more that needs to be said. But what's far more important than what needs to be said is that you and I here in this place would take intentional time to praise our God for who he is and the things that he's done in our lives. And like I said, Crosspoint, I know that you may have walked in here tonight carrying some weight in the middle of some circumstance where it doesn't feel like I should be grateful right now. But that we would be able to see these stories like David and Billy Ray and realize that it doesn't matter. That I I can still be grateful in the middle of my suffering. I can still lift a song of praise to the Lord because He is good, because He's faithful, because He loves me, because you fill in the blank, whatever that is for you. 
And so we're going to take time to sing a song of worship together. I would love to encourage you, if you feel led to, as we sing, that you would come up here to the stage and you can see some things have already been written down, but we have some markers available here for you. And you can use the steps, you can use the flat space above the subs. You would write something down that you're grateful for tonight. If you don't want to do that, that's fine. We encourage you to just worship in your seats with us. But that this time right now, as we kind of pause and break up the routine that we're so used to, of worship even, that we would take this time right now to praise our God for who he is and what he's done.
I think it's incredibly important for us to be intentional with our time in praising the Lord, right? And what a beautiful moment to, to do that together with you guys right now and to practice that a little bit. But honestly, if you're like me, sometimes sometimes gratitude feels like more than, it feels like just a feeling rather than something that we should be recognizing God for who he is. Sometimes it's hard for us to remember in the middle of our circumstances what he's doing or what he's done for us in the past. And so if this is a problem that I'm sure we all wrestle with on some level, the question then is, then what are we supposed to do to ensure that we don't forget and that we can practice gratitude in the middle of those circumstances? And so what I'd like to do with the remainder of our time is just leave you guys with a few helpful tips and we're going to call those gratitips. You'll see those on your note sheet. Some gratitips that I have for you guys. And the first one of those, like this song that we just sung said, is build an altar. Build an altar. The first example that we have out of this comes from Genesis chapter 12. I'm going to share it with you guys. And this is after Abraham, or Abram at the time, had an encounter with God. In verse 7, it says, Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, I will give this land to your descendants. And Abram built an altar there and dedicated it to the Lord who had appeared to him. And this theme of building altars continues on and on throughout Scripture. It continues with Jacob, who would go to these places and, and encounter God and would build these altars and name the place according to what God had done in that place. And he would build altar here and an altar here and an altar here. These memorials that would stand to represent who God is and what he did in that place to remember. And then I think about this story in Joshua. These men that carried these stones and created this memorial. 
And, and what, I, what I think we need to remember about this story is that for you and I, if we're going to build an altar, it's important that we remember that building an altar takes time and effort. Right? It's not just going to appear out of nowhere. I think about this story and these men. These probably weren't rocks, right? You hear the word stones. Stones in Scripture were, were usually pretty big. And, and probably big enough that they could see, right? And I think about the last guy in line, like the 12th guy. Can you imagine being him, like having to stack the 12th stone on top of, a, of 11 others? That probably would have been rough. But it's important for us to realize that it takes time and effort. And, and for us, what that means is that you're going to have to, you're gonna have to learn tri- through trial and error here. You're going to have to try and find some things that work for you that are going to help remind you of who God is. And that's going to take time and it's going to take effort. Some things are going to work for you. Other things are not. You know, if you want to go do some masonry work and, and actually build an altar in your front yard, all the power to you. If you are going to have a gratitude journal where you're writing down things that God does so that you can remind yourself on a consistent basis, go for it. Those things aren't going to work for me. I'm not going to keep up with a gratitude journal. I have to find what works for me. I have to find some way, shape, or form, an object, a time, a place, something that's going to help me remember who God is when I need to remember it the most. And as we talked through this with our staff, there were a few examples that came up. Our executive pastor, Beth, shared that her and her family, before they go to bed every night, will say something that they're thankful for before they go to bed as a daily reminder with them and their family together. And I thought that that was so cool. And, and I have a few. My two, they're not really special. The first one's my couch. And, and that comes from the fact that during my first deployment, they decided that they would gut the male lounge and turn it into an office. And so all the ladies on board my ship had couches for eight months while we were deployed. The guys did not. So I didn't get to use a couch for eight months during, a, during deployments. And so for me, it's every time I sit down on my couch... I'm overwhelmed with this gratitude for that immediately of, wow, thank God for this couch. I didn't have one for eight months. And and then it snowballs. And it's, I'm thankful for this couch. Wow, God, thank you for this house that you've given me. Oh, God, thank you that there's people in the world that that will never get to experience how comfortable it feels to sit on a couch even. And and it's just this beautiful moment for me, and it's consistent. Why? Because I'm going to sit on my couch at the end of the day, right? but it's consistent enough for me that it reminds me of who God is. And the second one, and I'm sorry if this is too much information, but it's a hot shower. Anyone ever been camping and came home or from like hiking or camping? What's the first thing you want to do? It's take a hot shower, right? It does something incredible, right? And it changes your whole mood when you're done. But for me, it's the same. It's months of not having hot showers and being able to have this hot shower in my home and same. I know that there's people around the world that will never get to experience what this feels like. Thank you, God. Thank you for this. Thank you for this house. Thank you. And it, again, it snowballs into this this moment of gratitude between me and my Lord as I remember how good he's been to me. And it's consistent. It's a daily reminder for me of who my God is because I need that. And we all need that. And then the last part with this, guys, is that we need to realize that we literally have the written word of God that's filled with stories to remind us of everything that God has done. Everything is right here. He's given us all of it, you guys. But we have to open it and read it. You have to take it off your nightstand and actually open it and read it. And, and we told our students this the other night, and I'm going to tell you, and maybe you need to hear this, but you being here on a Saturday night is not going to be enough. It's just not. 
You have to find some way that you can remind yourself of who God is because this time right here is not going to be enough. You're going to get distracted. The enemy's going to throw things in front of you on a Tuesday or Wednesday at work that you're going to need something that's going to remind you. And you have it right here, but you have to open it and read it. And then the second gratitude that I have for you guys, the last one, is that gratitude is not subjective to our circumstances or to your circumstances. Gratitude is not subjective to your circumstances. We talked about this a little bit, but what we need to realize is that gratitude is not about emotion. Because, see, when gratitude becomes about emotion, it's 100% subjective to how you feel in that moment with whatever it is that's going on in your life. It's absolutely subjective if it's about feeling and emotion. But see, in reality, gratitude for us should actually be about recognition. Being able to recognize God even when we don't feel good, even when we're hurting. Are we able to see what God's doing even when things are hard? Are you able to see the things that God's doing in other people's lives around you? Are you, are you able to thank God for things that didn't even happen when you were alive? Like, I don't know if you guys know this, David, throughout the Psalms, would continuously thank God for things that didn't even happen during his lifetime. Like, when's the last time you thank God for parting the Red Sea during the Exodus? I can't remember the last time, but David does that over and over again. He's always reminding himself of things that God had done years and centuries past. What kind of impact do you think that that could have on your life if you had that level of gratitude? Man, that would probably be life-changing for us if we could be that grateful you guys see, this is, this is part of the reason why Crystal just talked to you about small groups and why the last few weeks we've been pushing you guys to get into a small group if you're here at Crosspoint because you have the opportunity to be surrounded by people throughout the week that can remind you of who God is. That when Sunday's not enough, that when Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday night, whatever night that small group is, comes around, you have those people that can support you, that can remind you, that can help you when you can't see that they can share with you the things that God's doing that they can encourage you and pray for you and lift you up. This is why we want you to join a small group. Get into one, because it's going to help you. It's going to remind you of who God is and all of his glory. As we prepare to wrap our time up here, our worship team is going to join us. And as we get ready for that time, I want to remind us that we're here on Sundays. Saturday nights, Sundays, ultimately to celebrate the fact that 2,000 years ago, (laughs) God loved his creation so much that he sent his only son, Jesus, to, to come down fully God, fully man, to live a perfect and sinless life, and then was beaten and mocked and hung on a cross to die a criminal's death when he did nothing wrong. And in that death, if that wasn't excruciating enough, he then went on to pay the the ultimate and eternal price for our sin and the wrath of God so that you and I would never have to. Like, that's what we're here to celebrate, you guys. We have this weekly reminder that regardless of what's happening in our lives, God has been so good and faithful to us that he sent his son to die for you. We should be celebrating with joy right here in this place as we hear that cross point because that is incredible. That is undeserved. That should stir something within our hearts as we 
practice gratitude to our God for what he's done for us. I want to share a passage for you guys. It comes from Luke 22. Jesus gathered with his disciples the night before he was betrayed during the Passover celebration, which, funny enough, is kind of cool because that was another reminder for the people of who God was that they would practice on an annual basis, this seven-day feast as they would remember and practice gratitude, right? That, That during this Passover celebration, Jesus gathered with his disciples. And in Luke 22, verse 19, they're eating. And Jesus says this, or it says, he took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and gave it to the disciples saying, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. After supper, he took another cup of wine and said, this is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood, which is poured out as a sacrifice for you. And so we invite you guys here tonight with us to come to these four tables of communion that we have around the room where we come to remember that exactly that he gave up his life for us and the blood that he spilt on that cross represents the new covenant that he made with us and that the the punishment that he paid for our sins so that you and I would never have to. We're gonna sing some songs to Jesus and about Jesus together right now. If you didn't get the chance to come up and write down something you're grateful for, you're welcome to do that again with us right now during these songs. And if you came in here tonight with something going on, guys, Maybe you don't feel grateful right now. Maybe there's a weight that's, that's holding you back from, from lifting up songs of praise to the Lord. Would you, would you go back in the back of the house and pray with our prayer team? They're gonna be hanging out back there. If there's something that you need prayer for, go talk with them. Let them love on you and pray for you. They would love to do that for you. I'm gonna pray for us real quick and then we're gonna, we're gonna sing some songs together. Lord Jesus, we have nothing nothing that we could offer you besides our praise, Lord, and our gratitude. You've been so kind and faithful to us. Lord, and I think about my struggles, or I think about those close to me, and I know the hurts and experiences that they're going through right now. Lord, even in the middle of all of that, we come together tonight to say that regardless of where we're at, we are so grateful for what you did for us, Jesus. You would remind us of your grace. You would remind us of your goodness. Remind us that you died so that we wouldn't have to, Lord. Lord, we lift up these songs to you right now, intentionally, and I ask that you would take away any distractions that we have as we just sing these songs to you, Jesus.